miles and miles of sea and sandhill. They flung themselves down by the six ribs and spine of the black pilchard boat. You know how the body seems to shake itself free from an argument, and to apologize for its mood of exaltation, flinging itself down and expressing in the looseness of its attitude a readiness to take up with something new, uh, whatever it may be that comes next to hand. So Charles, whose stick had been slashing the beach for half a mile or so, began skimming flat pieces of slate over the water and John, who had exclaimed, "'Politics be cursed!' began burrowing his fingers down, down into the sand. As his hand went further and further beyond the wrist, so that he had to hitch his sleeve a little higher, his eyes lost their intensity, or rather the background of thought and experience which gives an inscrutable depth to the eyes of grown people disappeared, leaving only the clear, transparent surface, expressing nothing but wonder, which the eyes of young children display. No doubt the act of burrowing in the sand had something to do with it, He remembered that after digging for a while, the water oozes round your fingertips. The hole then becomes a moat, a well, a a spring, a secret channel to the sea. As he was choosing which of these things to make it, still working his fingers into the water, they curled round something hard, a full drop of solid matter, and gradually dislodged a large irregular lump, and brought it to the surface. When the sand coating was wiped off, a green tint appeared. It was a lump of glass— so thick as to be almost opaque. The smoothing of the sand had completely worn off any edge or shape, so that it was impossible to say whether it had been a bottle, tumbler, or window-pane. It was nothing but glass. It was almost a precious stone. You had only to enclose it in a rim of gold, or pierce it with a wire, and it became a jewel, part of a necklace, or a dull green light upon a finger. Perhaps, after all, it was really a gem— something worn by a dark princess trailing her fingers in the water as she sat in the stern of the boat, and listened to the slaves as they rowed her across the bay. All the oak sides of a sunken Elizabethan treasure chest had split apart, and rolled over and over, over and over its emeralds had come at last to shore. John turned it in his hands. He held it to the light. He held it so that its irregular mass blotted out the body and extended right arm of his friend. The green thinned and thickened slightly as it was held against the sky or against the body. It pleased him. It puzzled him. It was so hard, so concentrated, so definite an object compared with the vague sea and the hazy shore. Now, a sigh disturbed him, profound, final, making him aware that his friend Charles had thrown all the flat stones within reach, or had come to the conclusion that it was not worth while to throw them. They ate their sandwiches side by side. When they had done, and were shaking themselves and rising to their feet, John took the lump of glass and looked at it in silence. Charles looked at it too, but he saw immediately that it was not flat, and filling his pipe he said with the energy to dismiss a foolish strain of thought, to return to what I was saying.